Well, good morning, Trinity family. It is so good to be with you this morning. My name is Steve McCready. I am a pastor over in sunny Southwest Ontario, and I am a friend of Pastor Sean, and he asked me to share with you this morning and be a part of your journey through the Gospel of John chapter 10, and I'm really, really excited to do that with you. So you're going to need your Bible. We're going to study in chapter 10 of John's Gospel. You're also going to need to look up Ezekiel chapter 34. I know that's a little bit more obscure, so I'm just giving you a heads up so you have plenty of time to find that. It's so good to be with you. I love Canmore. When my wife and my kids and I moved from Ireland to Canada back in 2011, we actually lived for four years in Northwest Calgary. And so any free time we had at all was spent in Canmore. We just love it out there. I couldn't tell you how many times we've stayed at the Grand Rockies Resort, how many times we've walked the trails around the town. We've had ice cream and we, we seem to always end up in the little candy store for some reason. We just love Canmore. In fact, I remember as we would walk around the town centre, we'd often wonder, what would it be like to be on ministry here? Imagine if God called us here to be pastors, and then we would look in the price, uh, at the price of the houses in the windows of the real estate agents and think, yeah, it's not going to happen. And then, of course, we would drive by Trinity, and I would think, wow, some, some really gifted and talented and loved pastor gets to come and serve at this church, Trinity and Canmore. What an amazing person they must be. And well, of course, it's true. That's exactly who you are, Sean. So thank you. Although I don't get to come and be a pastor in Canmore, thank you that this, this morning I get to kind of pretend to be a pastor in Canmore and that's just going to have to be good enough. You know, back whenever I was a student, in Belfast, that was a long time ago. One of the ways that I raised money to pay for my tuition was by doing police lineups. Now, when I tell my son, who's nine years old, this story, he freaks out because he just can't wrap his head around why I would voluntarily put myself in that position just in case I got picked. And it's hard to try to explain to him that that's not how it works. But when I think about where he's coming from, I think, well, you know what, maybe, maybe it makes a little bit of sense. I mean, I could say that on more than one occasion, when we were all lined up, you know, it's kind of like how you see it in the movies. There's this big window that you can't see through, but they are looking through at all the people in the lineup and we're all holding our numbers up. And then just before uh, the, the kind of, I guess, the perp is identified, the door opens and that person is walked in by a police officer and definitely on more than one occasion I took a deep breath and thought oh my goodness that guy looks really like me now it doesn't help that I'm like in Ireland anyway average height average build you know it, it doesn't help that I played rugby for 20 years and I look like I've been in a whole ton of fights but my my son just can't understand why I put myself in that position where I could be mistaken for a criminal and go to prison I wonder if you've ever been uh, the victim of mistaken identity. I know that it does actually happen to me quite regularly. A little while ago, I was in New York City and I was walking along the street one day and I was stopped by a group of people who thought I was the MMA fighter, Conor McGregor. Now, I was equally encouraged, you know, wow, do I look that athletic? And also, whoa, do I look like I've been punched that many times? I've often been stopped and asked for my autograph by people thinking that I am the English soccer star, Wayne Rooney. 
who is known to all his fans to look like a potato. So that's not particularly encouraging either. And then back when I had hair, I would often be asked if I am the Christian songwriter, Chris Tomlin, which no, if you hear me sing how great is our God, you would know instantly I am not Chris Tomlin. Our story today that we're going to dig into in the Gospel of John in chapter 10 is really a story that's all about establishing true identity. Or another way of thinking about it, this story is about mistaken identity. Now the story that takes place in John's Gospel chapter 10 is the story of the Good Shepherd and you'll be familiar with it. You'll know all the language, it'll all bring back memories of memory verses and Sunday schools and all that stuff. I'm going to try to unpack it a little more so that it makes some more sense to you in light of your bigger journey through the Gospel of John. The story actually begins with two bookends. So you got like a part here, a part here, and then the main kind of content in the middle. What's important about those bookends is the actual language that's used and the kind of spiritual ideology that's coming through. And that is they are about spiritual blindness. There is a blindness that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about in the verses before it and, and then the verse at the end. And these bookends talking about blindness are really meant to help us understand that what is going on here is a conversation about seeing Jesus, truly seeing Jesus for who he is. Now, eyesight is a little bit of a touchy subject in my house at the moment. For me, I have always wanted glasses. I kind of feel like they would soften the hard man image that I've got. And I know my 12-year-old daughter would just love glasses. She, like, she's already picked outfits that she thinks would look great with glasses. My nine-year-old son has no desire for glasses whatsoever. He is a climber and a soccer player and just, that would just get in the road. And then my, my poor wife, who's a kindergarten teacher, is already teaching with a mask and a visor and really does not need anything else to go on to her face for her days in the classroom. Well, just a couple of months ago, we all went together to get our eyes tested. I had my fingers crossed. Maybe this will be the year when the ophthalmologist says, yeah, you're ready for glasses. Sadly not. So I didn't get my glasses. My daughter didn't get her glasses. But my wife and my son walked out of the spec savers with a prescription for glasses. And so it's a little bit of a touchy subject. This morning as we come to this text, I want to pray that Jesus will open our spiritual eyes to see him in the story for who he is, for what he's about, and for what he wants to do in our lives. So let's pray together and then let's dive in to the text. Lord, we need eyes to see and we need ears to hear what you're saying by your spirit through your word to the church. And so I ask you to open our eyes today as we read your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read our text and then I'll stop along the way, make a few comments, kind of guide us through. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Here we have Jesus telling a story. Like all Jesus' stories, they are rooted in the real world, using imagery that would have been known to all of his listeners. 
This story is about understanding who he is. And ultimately this story is about answering a question. Is he the real deal or is he an imposter? Is this a case of mistaken identity? The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is explaining that there is a test of authenticity on him as the good shepherd. Namely, the test is this, will his sheep know his voice and will they follow him? This figure of speech Jesus used with them, the text says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, how did they not understand? Jesus was employing an illustration that they, they would have kind of been able to grasp. It was from everyday things that they would have seen all around them. Jesus was a great storyteller, a compelling communicator. How could they not understand? Well, they couldn't understand because they were spiritually blind. That's the point of this text. They're blind in the beginning and they're blind in the end. And Jesus is trying to point them in the middle to say, you need a fresh set of eyes. See, also the problem was that the hearers of this particular story, the Pharisees, weren't just spiritually blind. They were also spiritually proud. They assumed that they were the authentic sheep. You see, if they were the authentic sheep, then they would know the voice of the authentic and real shepherd of Israel. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus explains here that not only is there a test of authenticity, there's also the fruit of authenticity. See, the fruit of the imposter shepherds just leads people to death. But the fruit of the true shepherd leads people to life. Life in all its fullness. Life in abundance. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. See, in these verses, verses 11 to 15, Jesus is comparing himself to the spiritual leaders of his day, the Pharisees. He's saying not only is there a test of authenticity, not only is there fruit of authenticity, there is a cost to authenticity. The true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. 
the hired hands, they cannot make that level of commitment. Jesus goes on, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. See, here in these last verses, Jesus explains that authenticity is marked by authority. He is on the Father's mission. He is empowered with the Father's love. His death and resurrection are his calling from the Father. Authority in his mission, authority in his death, authority in his resurrection. Jesus' authenticity is marked by his authority. Listen to how this whole story finishes, the little bookend that John tags on. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Mistaken identity. But others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes Jesus is the authentic, real deal shepherd of Israel. Now, what's the purpose of this announcement? Why does John put it right here, right now? Is this just Jesus trying to defend himself? Is this an insecure leadership moment? What's going on in this text? Why here? Why now? Well, the purpose of this text is really twofold. Firstly, it's about confronting, and second, it's about comforting. Firstly, this is a text specifically meant to confront the Pharisees who believe themselves to be the shepherds of Israel. And secondly, this is a text that is meant to comfort those who have been pushed out of religion by the false shepherds. See, what makes this text good news is that it is challenging the toxic religious leadership of the day and it is bringing comfort to anyone who identifies as a lost sheep. And this shepherding story that Jesus is deploying here is actually rooted in Israel's prophetic understanding of Messiah. The good shepherd that Jesus is talking about here is not David's shepherd from Psalm 23, but rather Ezekiel's shepherd from Ezekiel 34. You might not be familiar with Ezekiel 34, but can I encourage you that this is a part of, of Scripture that you want to get a hold of? Because when, when you understand Ezekiel 34, it begins to open up your eyes to help you paint a true picture of who Jesus is, his true identity as Israel's shepherd. Now, I've taken the liberty of taking a really long chapter, Ezekiel 34, and just pulling out the really, really key and important parts. But please, if you get time, go back there, reflect there yourself. Now, obviously, it goes without saying that Ezekiel is writing to, you know, his people in his time. But like all prophetic words, they're also casting, you know, an image forward into the future. And this particular vision is of Messiah and what it will be like when Messiah comes. Now, listen to the word of the Lord. It comes in 
Ezekiel 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, as shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, would not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Here's the charge, the prophetic charge against Israel's leaders. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. For thus says the Lord God, this is verse 11, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Prophetic word of Jesus, the good shepherd, entering into this historic and salvation story of Israel himself, God himself, entering into the story to shepherd his people. Verse 11, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. Verse 15, I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. Like, listen to this, verse 16, Ezekiel 34. If you ever wanted to understand the mission and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is it. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Or as Jesus says, I have come to seek and save the lost. See, this Ezekiel text is all about confronting leadership. It's also about comforting the flock, about caring for the least. But ultimately, it's about God coming himself as the shepherd of his people. Ezekiel's prophecy, Jesus' declaration reveals the very heart of God, the very mission of God, a shepherd who seeks the lost, who goes after the least, and who loves the lame. See, Jesus' ministry among his people is the validation of his sovereign shepherding staff. See, Jesus in this story isn't just authenticating himself. He's also inauthenticating the Pharisees and their ministry of leadership. See, once we see Jesus in light of Ezekiel, we can't unsee him as the glorious shepherd of Israel. It helps make sense of everything else. It's as if we were blind and now we can see. My family, we live right by the coast on Lake Erie, one of the great lakes. It's one of our favorite things to do on a Sunday evening when we're unwinding after a busy Sunday being pastors and preaching and doing church and visiting and all that stuff, is we love to go to the beach. Now, most people like going to a sandy beach, but my kids love going to one of the stone beaches, and they love to search in the stones for sea glass. And they just have an eye for it. So they go, and they're on the beach, and they're looking through the stones, and they find these incredible pieces of sea glass, bright colors, just beautiful, and we've been kind of collecting them in jars around the house. But 
I just don't have the eye for it. So I'll sit on the stones and I'm digging through and I could dig through for an hour and not see a piece of sea glass. Well, last night we were sitting on the beach. It was late in the evening. The sun was just going down over the water and it just dropped right to this majestic level where it cast a beam of light that just kind of was scooting across the water and right up onto the beach, onto the stones. And all of a sudden, all the little bits of sea glass began to pop in the light. And not at all that I could see was sea glass. I couldn't believe it. It was an amazing moment for me. My first ever victory as a sea glass hunter. I got that buzz that the, those men panning for gold in the Yukon must have experienced. And so I'm digging and I can just see it. It's all there. The light just illuminated the glass. And I had my treasure. Listen, this is the point of John chapter 10. Jesus' revelation of him as the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. The idea is that we're spiritually blind on the bookends and we need God to open our eyes to reveal to us that Jesus truly is who he said he was. He's validated by his mission and his ministry. He is Israel's good shepherd. And when we hear and receive that good news, it's not just something that happens on a national scale or even a cosmic scale in the universe, but something that we can understand, take hold of at a personal level. Because if he is Israel's shepherd, he is our shepherd. And if he is our shepherd, he has come to fulfill this word. He has come to seek the lost. Maybe today you feel lost. Many people feel lost in this COVID world that we're living in. You can call on the shepherd of Israel, Jesus. He will make his way to you. His sheep hear his voice. He knows their voice. Maybe today you are lost, like just spiritually lost. You've never made your way to the cross of Jesus. You've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. And today that good shepherd will come to you, just call on his name, and with his shepherding staff, he'll reach down and he'll pull you out and he'll set your feet on solid ground because he is a shepherd of love and care. And he is passionate about saving his sheep. He has come to seek and save that which was lost. Maybe today you need care. You're lonely. You're hurting. You're wounded. You need a shepherd to come and bind up those wounds to lead you to some still waters and to restore your soul. That is Jesus. He is the good shepherd who has laid down his life for the sheep. It's not just about making a way to heaven, but it's, it's about heaven making its way to us. And Jesus would come to our story today, would enter into all of our lives today as that good shepherd, bringing his love for the least and for the lost and for the lame demonstrating God's kingdom heart towards us. If only we call out to him, respond to him, his sheep hear his voice. Jesus was and is Israel's true shepherd, authenticated and validated by the very ministry he was doing, by the very ministry that he still does. Authenticated and validated by the evil and unqualified shepherds who were leading the people at the time. See, once we see Jesus through this new lens, we can't unsee him, we can't miss him. That is what it is to turn from spiritual blindness to 
the spiritual sight. And my prayer for us today, my prayer for you today, is that your eyes would be open to behold Jesus, the shepherd of Israel, your shepherd, and you would call out to him. And you would listen to him as he calls out to you. And you would allow him to come and meet you today in your loneliness, in your lostness, in your woundedness, in your pain, in your damage, in your hurt, in your sin, in your lostness. Just call out to Jesus and that he, he will come. He is Israel's shepherd. He is your shepherd. Trinity Camor, thank you for letting me have this privilege of opening God's word to you today. I trust that it will bear fruit and that it will be a blessing to you. Keep up the amazing work in Canmore, Alberta. Love you. Bless you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for their heart to study your word. As Jesus reminds the Pharisees, they search in the scriptures because they think it will lead to eternal life. Jesus invites us to search in the scriptures for him, to find him and discover him because he is eternal life. So would you bring life to homes and to families and to Trinity Church in Canmore today? In Jesus' name, amen.